Uh, hey, good morning. We're so glad that you're here this morning. My name is Paul. I hope everybody knows that. I happen to be the pastor here. If you don't know that, that's fine too. My name is Paul. I'm glad you're here. I'm taking this off. Okay. <laughs> Guys, I, I don't know if any of you have ever like done some physical activity after a long time in life and not doing that great of physical activity. But yesterday I played wiffle ball for probably 45 minutes. May have been longer. Was it longer? Somebody give me credit. It was like seven hours. No. About 45. I woke up this morning and I couldn't move my neck to the right. Uh, that's since gotten better, but literally my entire body hurts from running at the most 15 feet and swinging a plastic bat. The moral of the story is don't get old. Uh, people always tell you that. Apparently it stinks. Uh, I don't think I'm that old yet, but I sure feel like it. So there's that. We hope that you are not feeling like I'm feeling this morning and you are ready to stand up and worship and just have a great time. We want you guys to join us and just be excited about that. We are so excited you're here, especially you, Nathan. You're so handsome. Nathan, glad you're here. If you're joining us online, welcome this morning. We're so glad you're here to worship with us and we are ready to go. In three, two, one, I don't know, I'm counting down. <laughs> makes you feel any better, Paul? I've done that by doing nothing. I went to bed the night before and woke up and couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> Go ahead and stand up with us and sing. Oceans of kindness, wave after wave, mercy
see him working. He is, I promise. In name I pray. Thank you, God. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Thanks. Uh, Phil, you're, you're around 40, right? Isn't that, how old are you? Yeah, I'll, I'll be 41 in a couple weeks. Yeah, okay. You know how I already knew that was the answer? Because yesterday you were playing One Headlight by the Wallflowers. <laughs> Today you're wearing a PlayStation, an original PlayStation original. shirt. Yeah. yeah. And like that shirt has a sound to me like, you know, when you first turn it, like half the people in the room have no idea what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Back then, it was like PlayStation 5, which comes out this year, was like as foreign as Star Wars Episode 9. You're just like, what? Like, that, that, that's like flying cars in the future. Anyway, uh, had a great time at the picnic yesterday. Uh, if you were there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. A couple of announcements today. Uh, Paul is not preaching today. Clay, <laughs> Clay is uh, preaching today, which... Uh, segues me into the announcement about the business meeting, which will be on the 27th after church. And one of the things we are considering is uh, Clay is in the running for our so far vacant youth pastor position. We've needed that position filled for quite a long time. So that is one of the things that we will be voting on. Uh, and he's preaching today as just kind of a small way to introduce himself to those of you who uh, may not I've had a chance to uh, meet him yet. We will also be voting on David Thomas becoming uh, an elder, I think, uh, either at the very, like, towards the end of service or maybe even a few minutes after the service. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, I think Paul's going to just ask him a couple questions, kind of a getting-to-know-you thing as well, so that way you folks kind of have time to know who you're voting on if you're staying uh, after the business meeting. The third thing we'll be voting on at the business meeting uh, is pay adjustments for staff, uh, all in the upward direction. It's been a while since any of our staff have had any type of salary adjustments, so uh, we'll have a super exciting Excel spreadsheet up on the thing for you to look at during the meeting uh, to consider that as well. Uh, let's see. The uh, Crosspoint Families has adopted a Haitian child. It's $38 a month uh, in an effort to try to encourage kids to give and tithe and have an opportunity for you guys to talk to them about what that means. Uh, so in, more information and the actual spot to donate is there in the kids' area. And uh, we have a bunch of like wooden, big wooden tables and chairs that came from when we used to have that fourth bay uh, if you haven't noticed, those doors are gone, and there's a big spot where now someone has taken that bay over and is renting it. So all the stuff we had had to go over, uh, and they are in the kind of this empty front part of the kids' area. If you know anybody who could use those, a bunch of chairs and tables, take a look. Let us know because, I mean, lowest bid or whatever. We just kind of want them out. So if you know anybody, let us know. And with that, we're going to take our connection break. Kiddos, go to the kids' area. Everybody else, get your coffee, stretch your legs, go to the bathroom, whatever you got to do. Three, two, one, go. All right, good morning. Can everybody hear me? Yes, sir. This thing is on. Excellent, excellent. I'm going to come a little closer. That's okay. Awesome. Well, good morning. My name is Clay Miller. If you do not know me, uh, shame on you. No, I'm kidding. Uh, now I'm Clay Miller. If you actually know one of my siblings, Amanda Altermat, in the back here is my sister. I'm obviously the prettier of the two, right? 
kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, if you honestly, if you think she has a really good singing voice, you should hear me sing, and then you're like, man, Amanda really has a good singing voice, because I'm dreadful in so many ways. Uh, I think God skipped a generation with the musical talent in our family. Everybody's got it but me. I think that's how that works. But it is a pleasure to get to be here with you guys this morning. You know, uh, Cross Point has a special place in my heart, and I've got to visit with you guys off and on since you started. And it is absolutely amazing to get to come here and to get to preach to you guys this morning. I want to say, first of all, you've got an amazing staff, Paul and Phil, all these guys and gals here. You guys are blessed with people who love Jesus and are all about him. And I've gotten the privilege to work with these guys over the years and absolutely seen God work with them. And so I just want to let y'all know how blessed you are to have these guys here. Um, Yes, absolutely. Uh, Paul wanted me to uh, kick off where he left off last week in the Beatitudes. So if you will take your Bibles out, turn it to uh, Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at this morning. If you got your smartphone, feel free to plug that in. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 7. But before we begin, I'm going to pray for us, okay? Lord Jesus, thank you for the morning. Thank you that we've gotten the opportunity to worship you here. And I pray that you would speak through me so that your words would go out, not my own. That we would see you, see the blessing that we have as being one of yours. Cultivate us, Lord, and motivate us to live like you, for you, in this world. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. So kind of a little recap for you guys about the Beatitudes. Paul talked about this last week. I just want to do a little recap. That the Beatitudes are the first part of this great sermon called what? Sermon on the Mount, right? This, I like how Paul said it last week. This is Jesus' coming out party. This is what he is all about, to preach about his Father's kingdom, the kingdom of God. And if you ever want a little synopsis of like, what's the summary of the Sermon on the Mount? You can basically say it like this. The Sermon on the Mount, what it's about is what it's like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. Not to be, for, this, for these people, when Jesus is preaching, not to be a citizen of Rome with all of its powers and privileges that that would bring, or to be a citizen of Judah, but what it's like to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. He's preaching to these people, he's like, what is it like to be a part of my kingdom? It's blessing. It is blessing. And that blessing, we can translate to happiness. And this is not like a superficial happiness. A superficial happiness is something that comes and goes. Like if you're watching the movie The Lion King and you're over here going, oh, it's so great to be king, right? Everybody's happy. All the kids are joyful. Then three minutes later, Mufasa's like, you know. I don't even have to say it, right? And the happiness has gone plummeting. And you're just like, why? And like, Simba, run. And that's how you feel, right? Or maybe you feel like hungry right now like me and you're excited for lunch, right? Amen? Anybody in the room? Right? And some of you, you've got your places that make you extra happy, like, say, Chick-fil-A. And there's everything about Chick-fil-A, like, even walking into Chick-fil-A, you're just like, I'm home. Like, they're here. Unlike, like, if you go to another restaurant, you're like, I think everybody hates me, especially the lady taking my order. I'm sorry. 
but if I go to Chick-fil-A, everything's delicious, everything's amazing, I'm so happy, and you're going to leave here today craving that chicken, you're going to go to Glenstone, you're going to go to Chick-fil-A, and then what's going to happen to your happiness? It's going to die, <laughs> right? Because they're closed today, and everybody in here is like, thanks for the reminder, right? How quickly our happiness can just be gone like that, right? And that's not what Jesus is getting at. He's saying, the blessing I'm going to give you, the happiness that I'm going to talk about here is not superficial, but it's eternal. It's something deeper, that if you are part of my kingdom, you are eternally happy for all time, and that will not go away. And how do we become part of this kingdom? You have to believe in him, right? He's given them the people here on the sermon, a prelude of things to come of going, how do we become a citizen of this kingdom? It's not going to be by your works. It's going to be by believing in me, believing in Jesus, the one and only Son of God, that he literally came to this earth, literally lived a perfect life. He literally died on a cross for our sins, and he literally bodily rose again. And he lives today, and because he lives, so can we. That's how we become part of this kingdom of God, and we are called to be like Him. Like, that's what the Beatitudes are basically summarizing. It's like, this is how you be like Jesus. And that's not a burden. It's a blessing, right? A lot of times we look at the Bible as like a, a list of rules and do's and don'ts, and like, oh, it's so burdensome to not go, you know, murder somebody. Come on now. <laughs> or to steal from somebody. Come on, God. Such a burden. But it's not, right? The Bible is not just a list of rules and don'ts. It's what we do to glorify God, the one who created us, and it's for your benefit, right? Like life would be a lot better if you're not running around murdering people and no one's out trying to murder you, right? I think we would all agree, like life is exponentially better if that's not happening, right? And so this is a blessing to us. And we're going to pick up in verse 7 where Paul left off last week. So verse 7 is, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What Jesus is getting at here, if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, you've been given mercy. And since you've been given mercy, therefore you should be what? Merciful, Merciful, right? The book of Titus tells this really well. I think the guys are going to pull it up here. In Titus chapter 3, verses... Uh, three through seven. He says this, for we ourselves, talking about you and me, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and in envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own what? Mercy. Mercy. By the washing of regeneration, the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And he's making the statement here of going to the Jews, their whole life has been about works, 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 works. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. To enter my kingdom, it's about what I'm going to do. It's about what Jesus is going to do. And it's this mercy that he's going to bring out that salvation is based on his works, not our own works. And I want us to understand that because here's the thing. Jesus didn't have to do that. Right? Jesus didn't have to save us. 
In the garden, when Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus didn't, or God didn't have to sit back and go, I have to give you mercy now. No, he could have easily said, no, I don't have to. I don't have to do that. It's kind of like, ever heard the question before, if God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? I personally don't like that question because it's a question of, an, a question of entitlement. Because what you're actually asking when you ask that question is, who does God think he is that he would allow bad things to happen to me? Well, here's the thing. God didn't have to show you mercy. He didn't have to show you grace. He didn't do that to the angels when they fall. But he literally gave it to us. Why? Because he loves us. If you want a simple definition of mercy, it's not getting what you do deserve. Because of our sins, what do we deserve? It's our death. We deserve hell. We deserve these things, right? But Jesus says, no, I'm going to come after you, and I'm going to show you mercy that you do not deserve. And since you and me, if we believe in Jesus, have been shown that mercy, we should also go and be merciful, right? That means even when it hurts, even when someone who is close to you has lied to you, has betrayed you, has gone against you in some way, Maybe something bad has happened to you. You've lost a job and you did no wrong. And you want to go after them, right? You want to go and just make war against people. But Jesus says what? Go and be merciful. I mean, showing forgiveness, showing compassion, which is a reflection of who he is. And it's why I know mercy. Because Jesus showed it to me. Therefore, I should go out and do the same to people. Why? Because I will forgive them. I show mercy because it was shown to me. Verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I, want to, I just want us to reflect on that, that last part. If you believe in Jesus, a day will come in your life where you will see God face to face. The one who created you, the one who died for you, you will see him face-to-face. I want you to think about that, because I think a lot of times we don't. We know one day we'll get there, right? But to know that's a reality. That's going to happen in our lives, that we will see God. And he says here that when Jesus saved us, because these people don't realize it yet, really some of them don't, that they are looking at God in the flesh, in Jesus. And Jesus here is promising that for those of you who believe in me, You're going to be pure in heart. What this is getting at is Jesus' refining work in us. That when I believe in Jesus, that he is committed to us. The book of Ephesians says that he is committed to never let you go, to never forsake you, that he is committed to making you more like him every day. I mean, he's going to make your heart pure and pure. It's kind of like gold. Like, where does gold come from? The earth, right? We go, we find a a gold vein. If you know of one, don't tell anybody, just go enjoy, right? But you go, you find it, and you mine it out of the ground. Well, is it pure? No, it's got a lot of what? Impurities in it, right? And so we go, and we put it to the fire. We get the impurities out of it. We make it pure. And that's what Jesus does, is we're stuck in the earth in our sin. He's going to pull us out of it. But, you know, even after we're saved, we still got some baggage, right? We got some things that we were trying to deal with in our life. And Jesus goes, I'm going to be there with you. And I'm going to work to get those impurities out of you. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit to do that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. 
just a few, just maybe a page away from where we're reading right now, John the Baptist is talking. And he says this here. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming, talking about Jesus, after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Meaning he's going to work in your heart. He's committed to you that I'm going to work in you. I'm going to get all the baggage out. I'm going to work to get all the impurities out, all the things, all the lies, all the hatefulness, all the selfishness. I am committed to doing that for you because I'm working to make you more like me is what Jesus says. And this is not merely a behavioral change, right? Because I think Christians can get that rap sometimes. like, oh, this is just a behavioral change. No, this is a heart change. He's getting into the heart of the matter. When he says a pure in heart, the heart in reference here is the core of who you are. It's where your understandings are, where your desires, where your passions, your purposes, where all this dwells. Now, in our sin, it does something to our heart. The Bible actually says it, that our heart is what? Wicked above all else. Which is kind of scary when people say, follow your heart. You're like, no, <laughs> don't do that, right? <laughs> Follow your heart. It's just wicked. <laughs> just go be wicked, right? No, no, no. It's like Jack's song yesterday, Darth Vader in the mask. Like, don't follow suit, right? <laughs> Without we're doing that, right? Now, you, when we look at this, we know that Jesus is going, I know your heart's wicked because of sin, but I want to make you more like me. I want to make you blameless, and I want to make you holy, it's this pursuit of holiness. We call this sanctification. It's working out your salvation. You're saved. It's one time forever. You're going to be saved. And you may not be perfect. You probably won't be perfect, right? By the time you meet Jesus, but he's committed. I'm going to work with you every day. And so what we need to do in that is not fight against him, right? To not fight against him in those works, but to pursue him, to look at his word and fall more in love with him. The Bible talks about the, the choice weapon of the Holy Spirit is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so as Jesus is working in us, we too should be working alongside him to making, as he's making ourselves more pure. And another thing we've got to do is kind of be transparent with ourselves, right? Like, have you ever been in, anybody ever been in VBS, Vacation Bible School? You, we all learn these three letters, right? The ABCs. Y'all remember what the ABCs are? Admit, believe, confess, the road to salvation here. This also works in our failures, right? First, we've got to admit, <laughs> I failed in this. Lord, I, am, I see who you are. You are patient. You are kind. You are good. I am not, right? I am not those things, and I'm struggling with that. But I believe in who you are. I believe that you're committed to me. And I want to confess that I want to be like you. And so I'm going to go to God, and I'm going to ask him, Lord, will you please help me? Because I'm honest with you, I am not patient. I'm not kind of, when I'm on Campbell at 4 o'clock, driving down the road, patience is gone, right? <laughs> you're just like, Jesus, help me, or take that guy right now, right? <laughs> That's how you feel in that moment, right? But you're asking him, help me, Lord. It's like the fruit of the Spirit, right? When you look in the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, that one at the end that we're all like, does that work in food? Like, right? Yes, it works in everything. Now, we, you hear preachers, when they talk about the fruit of the Spirit a lot, they'll say things like, if you don't have kindness, well, the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, so be more kind. 
And I, I don't like that because it's like telling a broke man to go buy a car. You don't have money? Go buy a car. I don't think that works. What he's talking about here is the Spirit has kindness. The Spirit has patience. And the Spirit is within you. So who do I need to go talk to about my lack of patience? I need to go to the Spirit. Ben Stewart, pastor in Washington, D.C., he was talking to some junior high kids once, and he, he said it this way. He, he took a kid out of the crowd and he goes, what's your name? Johnny, Johnny, what's your favorite fruit? He's like, an apple. He goes, okay, awesome. Grow an apple off your arm right now. And little Johnny's like, what? <laughs> he's like, grow an apple off your arm. You said it's your favorite, so grow it. And he's like, I can't. Well, why not? Because I don't have that ability to do that. And he's like, oh, because an apple doesn't come from Johnny. So Johnny, where, do, where, does your, where, where do you get your apple from? He's like, the store. Well, where'd the store get it? The, the, the farmer, I guess. Well, where'd the farmer get it? From the tree. So if I really want an apple, where do I got to go? I got to go to the source of the apple. And that's the same for you and me. If I'm lacking patience, I'm lacking kindness, I'm lacking self-control, I need to go to the source of it, the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you'll need the farmers, you'll need the store along the way to help you point in the direction of your, your pastors or the people who've walked longer and better with Jesus than you have in your life to help point the way to the source. Right? And this is what he's getting at here is when he's making us pure in heart, that we're going to be honest with ourselves. We're going to be transparent. And as we do that, we're going to look more and more like God. The promise here is you will see God. That's yours. But Jesus is making it to where he wants to see, or he wants others who do not know Christ to see God in you. Not for you to be God, but for people to see Jesus in you. Right? We move on to verse 9 here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. There's only, when you look at this word peace here, there's only one other place in the Bible where this word for peace in the Greek is mentioned. And it's in Colossians 1.20. I think the guys are bringing it up here. And this is what it says. And through him, meaning Jesus, through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, making what? Peace. Peace by the blood of his cross. He's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Well, the Son of God came and made peace for you and me by shedding his blood on our behalf. Because there's a thing here that Jesus is going to get at, that our sins have separated us from God. It has made this void between us. And so in doing that, we've committed war against God. We've made God our enemy. And here's the thing. Is that the kind of enemy you want to face? No, right? You don't ever want to be against God. It's kind of like I saw a video a while back of this guy, and he thought it was funny uh, to just walk up to random people and punch them just to see what the reaction was. He's like, I'm going to get so many likes. People are going to watch this just because of, like, me being stupid, right? And so he just walked up to people and punched them. And what, was, what do you think everybody's reaction was? Punch them back or chase them down. This guy was fast, so no one ever caught him. And then he gets up to this one huge joker. And I mean, it's like, pretty sure it was Dwayne Johnson. But I don't know, like, <laughs> gigantic guy. And he goes, I'm going to punch that guy. And the cameraman's going to, you're going to die, right? 
And he's like, this is going to be so funny. He walks up, and he just clocks this dude on the side of his chin. And the guy doesn't move. He, he literally looks away, looks back at the guy, and he's a lot shorter, and he just gets down and goes, you're not going to do that again. And the guy goes, yes, sir. And he, like, turns away, goes to his camera, and he's like, let's go home. He, like, terrified. It's like, that's God, right? It's going, oh, I can make war against him. It's like, no, <laughs> that is not the enemy I want to face at all. And so if I'm an enemy of his, I want to make peace. But here's the thing, I've got nothing in my ability to make peace with God. But God does. And so God chose to come down and show us peace through his son by shedding his blood on the cross. And so since we've seen that peace, what do we do with that now? I think Isaiah 52, verse 7 has this in mind. I think the guys are going to bring it up here. Isaiah 52, 7 says this, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes what? Peace. Who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. If we, are been, if we have seen peace, then we too should go be peacemakers by showing a world who doesn't know God that you don't have to be his enemy. That your God doesn't want to be your enemy. He wants peace with you, and he made a way for that. And here's the thing. I think a lot of people who don't know Jesus have this understanding. At least I can remember back in my life of me and God aren't on good terms before I met Jesus, right? I remember being in Walmart once looking for jewelry for my wife. I mean, I was in Zales once looking for jewelry for my wife. I'm kidding. She's looking at me like, what? Like, necklace? No. But I remember being in Walmart, and I'm looking through some jewelry, and I remember the lady behind the counter is talking to, obviously, some friends of hers. And this is a Sunday, and she's asking, well, what are you guys going to do tonight? And, she, and, the, and the friends are like, oh, we're going to go to this church thing. You should come if you get off in time. And she goes, Man, I would burn up if I walked into a church. Like, you don't even know what I did today. And, like, and it was, like, interesting. But how many people have that view? Like, to walk in a church that I may just burn up. Because I know what I've done in my life. I know the guilt, the shame, the regrets of my own life. And I think there's this understanding of going, I know me and God aren't on good terms here. So we should be called out to tell them of going, you won't burn up. In fact, let me tell you this. God doesn't want that to hang over your life. He doesn't want you to have that guilt, that shame in your life because he did something that made peace. And you can find that peace in him today. I mean, think about it. If you look back at the, in the book of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, you, there's this scene where these, there's these shepherds on a hill. They're watching their flocks at night. Then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to them. And it freaks them out, which I would imagine we all would too, right? This angel appears, and they're all terrified. And the first words out of the angel's mouth is what? Fear not, for I've come to you today to bring you good tidings of goodwill from God to man that born to you this day in the city of David is the Savior, Christ the Lord. And then a host of the angels come. And they start singing, glory to God in the highest. You know the next part? And peace on earth to man. 
We sing that every year, don't we? Peace on earth, peace on earth. So many Christmas songs, peace on earth. But how often do we forget what that meant? What that peace cost Jesus? What that peace really means to you and me? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers who go out and tell the world of what he has done. And this is what Jesus calls here, of my disciples, the citizens of God, they know me, they know peace, and they are bound to go into the world and tell about me. And I'll be honest with you, if you've ever had the opportunity to lead somebody to Christ, there's nothing like it. There's nothing better than it to see somebody who did not know peace before, who is now one of your brothers or sisters in Christ. And Jesus says, this is a blessing to you, not a burden. Then we get into the, net, the last beatitude here. Uh, verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I love this because Jesus is coming full circle here. If you remember last week, what did the fir- what's the first beatitude? Do you remember? Blessed are the poor in spirit, and what is their reward? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing from the beginning. Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. You may have just known Jesus, and guess what? Heaven is yours. You don't have to become like a 10th level Christian, like check the marks to make it to heaven. No, whether you just believed or you are so mature in your faith that I don't care what the world says, I'd rather die than give up him. He says, it is yours, heaven is. And he's coming full circle in this and going, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness. Now, this righteousness he's talking about, this persecution, is not just any kind of persecuting. Like, Lord, I'm in jail because I shot a guy. And I know I'm going to get heaven because of it. That's not what he's talking about here, right? It's also not, hey, I went and I support a certain political party, and people from the other one came and just beat me up. Therefore, I'm getting heaven, right? That's not what he's getting at. Or I'm for this cause and people shouted mean things at me. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is I believe in Jesus and the truth of his gospel, of his righteousness. And that what the world says, one thing. And Jesus says the other, I'm going to stand with Christ. And when they come after me, I'm going to stand my ground. And I'm going to be persecuted for handling this. And he goes, you are blessed. For this. You are eternally happy for this, which kind of sounds weird. It kind of sounds odd when it's like, I'm eternally happy that people hate me. <laughs> That's the peculiarness of Jesus, right? Who turns the wisdom of the world on its head. Who comes instead of this conquering king, but instead comes as a child to a little know-nothing town in the Middle East to save the world. And he says to us, there's a blessing for those who seek the righteousness of God and who stand for it. That I don't care what the world says. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what my friends or my family says. If it's opposite of what Jesus says, I'm going to go with Jesus. I'm going to go with Jesus every time. And Jesus is talking about, like, you are blessed if you risk those things. If I put those things to risk, and it's kind of scary, right? Right? I mean, you and me, we haven't yet, as Christians in America, have not faced the kind of persecution that these guys will face in first century Judah. 
Meaning, be like, I believe in Jesus, and now I'll go get executed for my belief. We're not there yet. But we do still face it, right? There's still a reality to it. And I, and I probably hit a little close to home on this, but don't, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but how many of us think it's really scary to tell somebody about Jesus? Right? I, I'll be there. Like, there's this fear of, I, like, go tell Jesus. I know I'm supposed to, and I want to, but to actually do it, for the words to come out of mouth to say it, it's a little frightening, right? And we tend to put a lot of reasons why we don't want to. Well, I don't want to force my beliefs on somebody else. I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to be the weird guy in the group. But the reality is, I don't want to be persecuted. I don't want people to think I'm weird. I don't want people to look bad on me for what Jesus did for them. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? But we fear the persecution, and Jesus is like, don't fear it. You're blessed if you're persecuted for this. I mean, think about it this way. Jesus says the greatest love you can show somebody is what? To lay down your life for them. And I don't think he means just physically here. That maybe the greatest love I can show somebody is laying down my social life or my, stay, my friendship with them just on the chance that they can know the truth of God. I love you so much, I'm willing to risk our friendship. Why? Because you need something greater than my friendship. You need to know the peacemaker, the one who gave you mercy, the one who wants to call you an adopted son or daughter of God. I want you to know him. I want you to be like him. I remember, everybody ever heard of two guys named Penn and Teller? Are these guys magicians? Right? If you don't know Penn and Teller, Penn, named Penn Gillette, is an avid atheist. He's not mean, from what I've seen, he's not mean or um, rude about it. He's just, I don't believe in God. I think that's dumb. Like, I just don't believe in him. Well, he talked about one time being at a show, and afterwards he noticed a guy, just an elderly gentleman in the back, holding one of the props from their show, and he brought it up to Penn. He's like, hey, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to give this back to you. And Penn's like, no, 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 that's yours, man. Congrats. Like, you keep that. I'm glad you came to the show. And he's like, oh, thank you, and all this. And the old man, the older man brings out a Bible, and he goes, hey, I, I just want to let you know, God, God loves you, man. And I think they talk for a little bit, and Penn's like, I, I, I speak against, like, God a lot. He's like, and this threw me. And it, it talked about, and he's on, this video is him on a cell phone just recording himself, and he's like, this ate me up all night, that this guy would come up to me, somebody who could easily just blow him up, right? With all sorts of arguments and all these things. But he came up sincerely caring about me to offer me a Bible and tell me that God loves me. He's like, and he just shook me up. He's like, it didn't change my mind. He's like, I'm, I still don't believe in God. But he's like, it made me think of all the Christians I know who have never done that. And then he issues this challenge, and it's pretty, pretty rough. And he says, he's like, so I want to ask all the Christians out there, he's like, if you really believe in Jesus... And believe that if people don't know him, that they will literally go to hell. How much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them about this? And I don't know about you, when I first heard that, I, it, it took me back of like, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, it's, it's something for me to get a theological lesson from an atheist here. But a challenge like no other. And Jesus says he came to this earth because he loves you. He gave up the glory of heaven to come live a life like you and me 
I mean, we're, we really are excited to get to heaven, right? Jesus is like, I gave that up to come to you, to live like you. All the hardships, all the pain. Like one of the things that hits me most is Jesus knows what it's like to lose a father. Like when you see Joseph, the last time you see him is when he's a kid. He's not in the picture after that. So at some point, Joseph died. And as somebody who's lost my father when I was 18, to know that Jesus can relate to that. And he knows what that experience is like. And Jesus is going, I came to love you, to die for you. And for us to go, let's not be afraid. Let's not be afraid, you know what, to tell people about Jesus. Because here's the reality. Is it more likely today that if people find out you're a Christian, they may make fun of you? Yeah. That's, that's a reality we'll have to live with. And when you face that one day, two choices will be before you. Choice number one is when somebody says, oh, you're a Christian? Well, that's weird. Or start making fun of you or whatever. The first choice you can make is play it off. Well, my wife makes me go to church. Ah, I've just done it all my life. It's not a big deal. Well, just, just play it off. What's the benefit to that? You're going to feel weird afterwards, right? Like, I failed God. And then that verse that Jesus says, those who, those who deny me before men, I will deny them before my Father, pops in your head and you're like, uh-oh, like, am I saved? Am I really a believer? Like, there's going to be all this for you. And then there, you think the people are going to be like, oh, that's cool. Or do you think they're going to be weird and like, so you're a hypocrite? Like, it's just no benefit to it whatsoever, right? Or you can make the second choice, which is, yeah, I believe in Jesus. What do you think about that? And now you've got an opportunity to talk about God. And I don't know about you, but making an opportunity to talk about God is kind of hard on my part. When, but when they're asking, it's like, yes, come play in my court. Let's do this. And what, what do you lose? He says, if they make fun of you, blessing. If they don't make fun of you, then you've planted seeds, you've watered, or maybe you can lead somebody to be a new brother or sister in Christ. Nothing but benefit to your life. And Jesus says here, don't be afraid. And he gets into verse 11, which is an extension of this beatitude. He says, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of things against you. Because of why? Because of my account. Jesus said, they're not even going after you. They're going after me. So stand with me. He says, no matter what they do, don't be afraid of them. Endure it. It's nothing but blessing in your life. The citizens of my kingdom, they stand with me. Right? I mean, have you ever gone anywhere and you've run into like natives of a certain place and you know like a certain area is famous for something? Like I'm from, I've just moved from Memphis, Tennessee and there's three things that we're famous for in Memphis is barbecue, dry rub, delicious, right? Elvis, and then crime. Lots of crime in Memphis, Tennessee, right? And when you get to Memphis, like I've run into people before who like hate barbecue and you're like, what, what are you? They hate Elvis and they've never been the victim of a crime. And you're like, are you even from here? Like, you grew up all your life in Memphis. How are you even here? Like, it doesn't make sense when you run into a native. It's like, you're supposed to be all these things. Well, the same thing is true for us of going, if I'm a Christian, then I should be like who? Christ. If I'm a citizen of the kingdom, then I should act like a native to the kingdom, even though I'm adopted into it. And so this is the last challenge here is when you face these things, love Jesus more. It's nothing but benefit to you. Jesus is sitting here going, these aren't the eight burdens of being a citizen of God. No, these are the eight beatitudes, the eight 
blessings, the eight reasons to be eternally happy. And he's talking to people here of going, you've had to work all your life thinking you're going to get to God and it's not going to work. He said, but my way is nothing but blessing. And he's going to pole vault from this part to the next one, which is, by the way, you're going to be the salt of the earth. You're going to be the light of the world. And so love Jesus more. And remember who it is who saved you. The reason I have mercy is because of Jesus. The reason I have a pure heart, or my heart's being made pure, is because of Jesus. The reason I am called a son of God is because of God. Remember these things, and know that Jesus loves you more. If you're a citizen, this is yours. If you believe in Jesus, these are your blessings. Strive after him. And, but if we're, here's, the, here's the other thing. If we're not believers of Jesus... These are not your blessings. And that's the reality of it here. This is what Jesus is getting at. Ravi Zacharias used to say, God has given all humans on the earth this beautiful gift called choice. You can choose whatever you want to do in life. Anything you want to do, it is yours. It is God's free gift to you. But what he doesn't give to you is the consequence to pick of that choice. So you can choose whatever you want, but there's a consequence behind it. If you choose to follow Jesus, your consequence is mercy, peace, heaven. Some pretty good consequences, right? But if I choose not to follow Christ, then those things are not in my consequence. So the challenge is this morning, what will you do? If I believe in Jesus, will I follow him with everything? If I don't, do you want the blessing? Do you want him? Do you want to know the one that took our sin and our shame and our guilt and all of it away? Choice is ours. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the morning and thank you for you. I know I don't say it enough, but thank you for you. Thank you that you came to this earth. Thank you that you decided to show us mercy. Thank you that you decided to show us love because without you, we have no hope in this world. And I pray for everyone who knows you, that we would strive daily to be like you, that we would be consumed to be like you in this world, to share with people. Take away the fear, oh Lord, of telling people about you. Let us remember that as we go out, we act like you and we tell people like you, it is nothing but benefit to us, to your glory. We pray this, Jesus. Amen. And stand with me. Let's sing. We thirst for your presence. Oh.
ground Spirit of God fall upon this place fan every heart into a burning flame we long for you call upon your name Spirit of your way nothing between us fail is torn you're calling us closer we run to next part is a perfect response to what we just heard this morning. More of him, less of us. More of you and less of me. Less of my heart, less of my will. More of him. God, this life will bring you glory, glory, glory. Sing that again. More of you and less of me. God, this life will bring you glory, glory, glory.
no reason to wait My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I'll run to the Father again and again I'll run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 again and again. Oh, oh, We're going to sing one more song together this morning. Um, I just keep thinking about what Clay said about how we don't have to manifest these these things, these traits, um, that God gives it to us um, out of his good pleasure. He loves to give it to us. Um, and we don't have to um, just change overnight, that it's a process, it's, a, it's a, a journey that we're all on together, and we help each other along the way. Um, we don't have to manifest a, you know, an apple out of our arm. It's, it's God, uh, the source of all things, that gives it to us. Um, he is so good to us. And um, I wanted to end by singing about the goodness of God um, here before we go. Um, and actually, um, sorry, after this last song, we actually are asking you to stay. We're going to do a quick interview with uh, David Thomas, who is... Um, uh, a candidate for eldership here at the church. And so we want to have, have you get to know him a little bit as well. So we're going to sing one more song and then do that. And then we'll be, um, we'll go at, at that time. Let me pray for the offering. Um, we ask you to give on your way out just so we don't have to pass um, a basket during these times. So um, I'll pray for it, but uh, just uh, be prepared to give that on your way out if you want to do it that way. God, we thank you so much uh, for your grace, for your mercy, uh, for your kindness to us. Lord, it gives us everything that we lack, and, and, and it gives us the ability to give these things to others um, where I would normally not extend kindness or where I would not normally not extend mercy or grace to somebody else, forgiveness. Lord, I, I can because of you, because you've given us that gift, and we have it within our, our bodies, within our minds, within our hearts. Uh, to be able to, to give that to others. We're not always perfect at it, and you're working on us, Lord. Um, but I know that when I am able to do those things, that it comes from you. You are the source. And thank you for all the blessings that you have. You are so good to us. We pray um, for our tithes and our offerings, whether we give online or we give here in person, Lord. We just ask you to bless that gift. Let your blessings pour out even on the money that we give, Lord, um, to be used um, to, to change lives and to change hearts. In my pray. Amen.
Come join me, and if you'll grab uh, Nathan's mic. You know, God has been so, so good to us, not only as individuals, but as a church, and he's blessed us with clay, and I hope that this morning you felt as blessed as I did to hear him bring the word. Uh, I told you guys last week that I've done ministry with a lot of people, but there's nobody that rivals that man's heart for God, and it showed out this morning, and I can say the same thing for David here, and, and God is doing some amazing things at our church, and he's continuing to move, and that's just because we've been so blessed. For those of you that don't know, this is David Thomas. Uh, David um, is a young man who uh, the elders have asked to come and serve alongside us as an elder. Uh, just a quick background, you know, uh, we needed more elders. I, I think more elders is always good. 
uh, than less elders. And, um, you know, this is months and months ago, and we were talking about it, and we came up with a list of names. And, and at that time, David was at the forefront of that, and we strictly, you know, David seems like the guy, but he hadn't been with us that long uh, at that time. And so uh, we were praying about it and, and kind of just waiting on that. And uh, then David actually came and approached me, and he said, hey, I really feel like God has called me. Uh, to, to lead in this capacity. And so I may have stolen your answer, uh, but David, first and foremost, tell us why Crosspoint Fellowship? Um, so my wife and I moved here like two years and a couple months ago, and we started looking for a church. Had just come out of college from Bolivar. We'd gone to multiple churches, and the first time we came to Crosspoint, um, we were actually neighbors with Jake, and he, him and Chelsea invited us. But we came to Crosspoint, and the worship was genuine, the preaching was genuine, the desire to serve God within the church seemed genuine um, in such capacity, and God essentially just, both Ashley and I felt like this is where we were supposed to be, this is where God was telling us, you found where I want you, and this is where you need to serve. So that was, that's why cross point, for, at least for us. Um, you know, being an elder, uh, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. It isn't always the most fun job, as others can attest to. Um, why serve in this capacity? Um, the reason, I feel like that's what God's calling me to. Um, as Paul said, an elder has a lot of different responsibilities. There's a lot of, an elder, from my own study, is supposed to be a spiritual leader, is supposed to be a person that guides the church to God's will. And the idea of serving in that capacity means that if I screw up guiding the church, then I've screwed up God's will for the church, essentially. Um, so it's not a position that I would take lightly. It's not a position I necessarily want, but it's the one that I feel like God is saying, this is well, how I want you to serve. Thanks, thank you very much. I wanted you guys to hear that. I wanted you to hear it from David himself. Um, you know, a lot of times we're called to do things that we don't exactly feel comfortable with. I think that all that shows is that David understands the weight of this position and the weight of the leadership that we're placing upon his shoulders. I will just tell you this personally. David is a guy, he's, he's younger than I am, uh, but man, uh, speak softly and carry a big stick. <laughs> David doesn't just jump into every conversation, but man, when he gets involved, it carries weight. And every time he has something to say, it kind of knocks me back a little bit. And I think I should be more like that guy. Uh, because I'm a one, I, I can't stand silence. And so I'm like, I got to feel it because it's quiet. And that's not good. But David is, is a contemplator. And he's somebody who thinks through things and, and brings wisdom to the table. And who can't use more of that, right? And so I'm excited for our church, for both of these men that you've uh, got a chance to s confirm and say, yes, we want you to be a part of Crosspoint because we are blessed that they want to be a part of Crosspoint. And so uh, our business meeting is coming up at the end of the month. Please try to be here and, and be here to vote for that. I hope that you all have a great week. I hope that you all have a blessed week. Remember, 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 it's nothing that you have to do. It's something that Jesus has already done for us, and the Spirit is there to provide when our weaknesses can't provide for ourselves. Have a great week. God bless you. We hope you all have a great week at home that are watching. Love you. Go cross point.